And I look up, and in the tree, I shit you not, are four men in their underwear, just covered in blood. In the tree, like standing on the the branches, fucking all like smeared red across their bodies, looking at me, smiling, grinning from ear to ear. And my first thought is, well, that settles it. I'm being sex trafficked. What's up, nomads? Welcome to your new favorite travel podcast, Two Beers Till Takeoff. The podcast that delivers expert knowledge, the information you won't get in your guidebook, and a story that's guaranteed to make you say what the fuck or your money back. Sid, you know our episodes are free, right? Before we get started here, folks, we have to talk about Don Kilvo. Who's Don Kilvo? Well, he's our first Patreon supporter. What's a Patreon, you might ask? Patreon is a membership-based platform that allows people to financially support podcasts. Don Kilvo, how has been your time as a Patreon supporter? Awesome. How did you like the early access to episodes? Awesome. The exclusive content? Awesome. What about our video call over beers? Fucking awesome. He sounds convinced. If you are unable to support the podcast financially, we would greatly appreciate you leaving us a five-star review, a comment, and sharing two beers till takeoff with your friends. So let's welcome our guest for today. He's a professional tour guide that's done just as many tours as me in the last two years. He once played halfback for Caltech and has crossed the Salt Flats 15 times. Welcome, Manny. What's up, buddy? All right, guys. Thanks for having me on here. How are we doing? I want to hear about the tour guide stuff because that's really intriguing to me. I want to hear about your tour guiding, uh, how, how you got into it. Yeah, so uh, I, I used to run out of my last couple of years of my master's degree. I would run these study abroad trips, uh, taking American high school kids, a couple of middle school. Oh, you're the one. Oops. (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) So taking them on study abroad trips to Europe. And I did it a couple of times with some Italian high school students, too. I have an Italian passport. So I uh, spent a couple of summers doing that as well, taking Italian kids over to Scotland. Uh, Why in the world anyone would send an Italian kid to Scotland to learn English is beyond me. I had a hard time with the English, but uh, they seemed okay with it. We could do with sending the Scottish kids to Italy to learn English. Fucking hell, that would make just as much sense. Uh, Just about, yeah. (laughs) But so anyway, so I I finished that up and I was looking to do it full time. So I just was sending out applications, man. And an Australian company that wanted to pay me real shit money uh, offered me a job in South America. And well... Where the shit money suddenly became golden. Well, shit, shit, shit money and a job was better than no money and no job. So, hey. <laughs> Realize you could live with uh, shit money and be a king down in South America? It was, it was pretty shit money across the board. I'm not sure that the South Americans <laughs> would have called it kingmaker money either. <laughs> right, now that we're talking about South America, now can I ask him what he thinks about the salt flats? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Manny, what do you think about the salt flats? <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to forget that I've been to them. Oh, 15 times? <laughs> so, you know, do you mean the salt flats in Bolivia? That yeah, we we're, talking about about the same in, in... Salt, we're talking about the same salt flats that Lindsay loves. Yeah. So I don't know. So is it because you've seen them too many times or is it just because you didn't like them? I got to be honest. The first time I saw them, I went, okay, like this was nice. You drive out, ride around in the salt for a little while and you go, I, I get the idea. I don't need to spend three and a half days continuing to do this. It's, You're it's like, all right, guys, let's, let's turn around. 
I mean, yes. So can we go back, hop on the plane, head back to La Paz? That was a, that was a lot more politely put than the first time you ever told me this. Because I'll do I'll, I'll do an impression of him the first time. Let me just get into that Connecticut <laughs> accent. That American. Got, that thick, yeah, hamburgers. Yeah, Kentucky thing, yeah, accent hamburgers. coming our way right now. Oh, my God. American football. Yeah, there you go. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Yeah. I've been to the soap flats 15 times, man. It was so bad every time, dude. Gums. <laughs> I don't know. That was the best I could that, do, really. That sounds like it, yeah. No, man, I don't know. The salt flats you go, they're cool. But there are places that you see a photo of, and I think at the end of the day, you go, yeah, okay, I, I got it. Like, the photo may have arguably been enough in the first place. It's an expanse of salt. And it goes on, and then it becomes a super dry desert before you hit the Atacama Desert. And, you know, a couple of, like, mud brick settlements along the way with people eking out an existence growing quinoa. And at this point, undoubtedly, though this doesn't make into the guidebooks, way stations for the trafficking of cocaine into Chile, right? Um, I'm a sucker for anything that's not in the guidebook, so I enjoyed that. Manny, I think that what you're saying is that our podcast is ever so important because people on Instagram posting pictures about cell flats, it looks amazing, but... Come on the podcast, you'll hear some some real advice about how to travel, right? Yeah, things I agree. To do, things I, not would, to do. I would hazard a guess that something like 50% of those people who uh, are taking Instagram photos, first of all, a solid half of them are Koreans on their honeymoons. God knows why that was a good idea. Let's go to 5,000 meters altitude, insult, uh, get sick, have diarrhea, and take our honeymoon photos, then get back on a plane and get the hell out of here. I don't know, but... Lindsay mentioned this as well. Does everybody get sick up there? Like, is the diarrhea that fucking... So, like, I never got sick. I never took altitude pills. Uh, It just sort of hit or miss, right? I mean, you can have a 20-year-old who gets knocked on his ass by it, and you can have an 85-year-old who gets there and is totally fine. That said, if I were to give a name to 15 salt flat crossings, it would essentially be the Bolivian salt flats, you know, a tale of diarrhea and toothache. So, yeah. People, people get sick. <laughs> oh, man. I've had two fake yeah, ones. So try great. having it at 5,000 meters altitude where your tooth literally feels like it's bursting out of your head. And the nearest hospital is, you know, like a, a salt brick one-room place where you have to wake up the guy at 3 in the morning who, is he the maintenance guy? Is he the janitor? Is he the doctor? No one knows, but you want whatever he's going to give you, so it, you go. Is it? This is a, sorry. This is like the Cuban doctors, isn't it? Where they get the fucking certificate off the back of the cereal box. I'm sure. Same people. Let me guess. Let me guess. I assume it's just like a doctor who's in this this place, and he's just like, put some salt on it. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We've had this twice with the toothaches. One of the times there was a Russian doctor who was on the trip and came with us, and you know she didn't say anything as we're in there, but she leaves. And her response was basically to the guy like, mm, I don't know what he just did to you, but good luck, man. Like, you're cursed now. Good luck, dude. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> but Manny, so you have a lot of experience giving tours in South America, but you didn't come on the podcast today to talk Indeed. about South America. Surprisingly, you came on the podcast today to talk about Albania. So what brought you yeah, to Albania? So two summers ago, I switched after a couple of years guiding in South America, and I've been... Obviously not the last 16 months or so, but prior to that, for a couple of years, I was guiding uh, one-week luxury cycling trips of Southern Europe. So mostly Italy and Spain. Luxury, yeah, talking nice. expenses. These are $6,000 for a five-day trip without your flights. So it's quite an outlay of cash, yeah. Oh, shit. I was going to say, none of those, none of those guys <laughs> were podcast hosts. I think, uh, 
I think my well, first I feel trip, honored. we had the ex-owner of the Golden State Warriors. And this was, you know, this was a transition from, in South America, wow. I was guiding mostly middle-class Australians. Uh, take that for what you will. And now, now we're switching <laughs> and... It's, you know, the owner of the Golden State Warriors is there, along with the chairman of the board of Microsoft. So it's a uh, heard of wow. it. It was a weird change, but uh, so anyway, so I was wow. in southern Italy in Puglia, and Puglia, you can take a ferry from Brindisi over to Valona or Vlore in Albania, and a trip of mine got canceled, uh, and I was down there anyway, so I was off for about eight days until my next trip was due to come in, uh, and I was down by the port when the trip got canceled. So I went and checked if they had any boats leaving that night, and they did. So I booked a ticket on the boat, and I headed over. And that was it. Welcome to fucking Albania, the weirdest fucking country in Europe by far. Is it true that you have to donate a kidney on, upon entry? I think now you get to pick the organ, but yeah, in general, yeah. <laughs> like, no, I mean, it was, it was an interesting trip. Honestly, you get a little, a teeny little sleeper cabin. I mean, it's strange. People are coming by through the night, knocking on your door, trying to get in. Not the type of thing that makes you go, hey, I'm having a really good time on this, on this ferry right now. Uh, but it is cool, man. You wake up in the morning and you're in this enormous bay coming into a city. So I think overland travel, but especially on a boat, is cool. I guess you'd say overseas because you have an appreciation for how far away everything is. Because those 12 hours, you, 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 know, you feel it, right? That's real 12 hours. It's not like an airplane, you hop on, you hop off. You went through 15 different climactic zones and now you're here. You see yourself arriving. So it was pretty neat. Yeah, it was about what you expect for landing in Albania. You hop off, no one checks your passport. They <laughs> smile, give you a wave, ask if you're, ask if you're <laughs> Italian, want to speak a little bit of Italian with you and then wave you in. I came, I came in via land. But even my entry to Albania was not completely standard. We were, we were staying in Orid, yeah? Or Okrit, you know, if you've got a thick accent. Mm. On the Macedonian side, yeah? And like, we were trying to work out how to get into Albania. And there weren't many routes in at the time. It wasn't really something that was happening. And it was a bit expensive because it wasn't really a thing that was happening. There was maybe, some, I don't know, some difficulties between the region or, you know, what this area is like. You know, they're never friendly with each other, are they? There was a Swiss guy working at the hostel we were staying at, four of us guys at the time, and he agreed to give us a lift, right? So he drove us there, but obviously we were going to give him some petrol money and stuff because it's only a few hours down, and we were going down to Pogradec, which is just the other side of the border, still on the Lake Orid, but on the Albanian side, at least we were that side of the border. And when we got there, yeah, we all had to shut up and pretend that we were his cousins, so we had five guys who couldn't have looked less fucking similar. Like, honestly, the Swiss guy looked like, like the kind of big guy with the fucking long hair that would be streaming wrestling in his mum's basement. Wait, wait, you were... You no, were we were in, no, we were in, Mas we were in, in Macedonia Albania. in a Swiss guy's car. Uh-huh. Uh, fucking Northern Macedonia, all right. Back in my day, Northern it was Macedonia. Macedonia. <laughs> yeah. We had fucking... <laughs> all right, Alexander the Great, hey? <laughs> Honestly, five guys who looked like they were from fucking five different parts of the world sitting in this guy's car. And he was like, like trying to go like, oh, yeah, they're, they're my cousins, they're my cousins. I'm just driving them. Because if he was a taxi driver, they wouldn't have let us through. Because you couldn't like do an unauthorized journey through the border. And they were like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, these guys yeah, look right, like yeah. you're... I mean, obviously they checked these guys out look Albanian, you're good. Passports. So we just said, no, they're just cousins from different countries. It's normal in, in Western Europe. It happens. 
you know, because fucking like Alex Gowie's Swedish who's coming on the show at some point. Yeah, he doesn't look anything. Yeah, he doesn't look anything like fucking me or Ricky. Bird food blonde feels guy. about fucking four foot six. Frizzle fucking hair. Ah, they go. They're not Albanian. But so yeah, yeah all, they, all, are, they, all right? they knew was we were cousins of the Swiss guy. So they fucking, yeah, all right, go ahead, go ahead. As <laughs> soon as we got the other side of the board, that's it. He dropped us off and swung straight back round before anybody tried to fine him for being a taxi driver. And that happened to be in Pogradec, which is the, you know, just about the other side. It was still on Lake Orid. All right, before, before we get too deep into speaking about Albania, let's get to know Manny a little bit better. And I also just want to comment something. Aren't the bad guys from oh, Taken from Albania? Talk, uh, I, I think if you pick a Liam Neeson movie, to be honest, from the last 10 years, uh, granted, there are bad guys and granted, they're Albanian. They're either Russian or... T- Maybe it's that Liam Neeson Albanian. has a real issue with Albanians. And so he wants to just, you know, slander them every chance he gets. He's, he's more in popular culture, hasn't he? <laughs> Maybe he's missing a kidney. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the Liam Neeson statue is no. getting erected in Tirana anytime soon. But he must have been crossing the border and realized he wasn't the cousin. <laughs> it's Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> First question, hot or cold? Ah, uh, hot, for sure. Beach or mountains? Yeah, the beach, the beach. Guy lives in Brazil. Of course. Bus or train? Train, for sure. Anyone who says a bus is a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Top or bottom bunk? Bottom? I feel like that's a, an innuendo you're throwing at me, and how I answer it is I'm, I'm unsure. Anyways, I think bottom, bottom, bottom. I think it's more a case of, do you want to be the captain of the cruise ship or the passenger? <laughs> what? So who is, who, in this scenario, who is the captain? Well, the bottom bunk, because he's rocking the guy on the top bunk. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've right. been in a couple uh, couple hostels. Uh, what is your favorite sports team? Uh, Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Well, what is your favorite world attraction? I think probably... Ah, man, Iguazu Falls in shoulder season when it hasn't been raining recently. Wow, that's very like, specific. Do you want to get more precise? Like when ticket sales are at 36%, <laughs> on 12% of those aren't Paraguayans and it's a Tuesday afternoon and we've had rice. <laughs> like I'd pick Iguazu Falls as well. This, but this matters. Do you want to see an enormous waterfall of brown or do you want to see an enormous waterfall of, of clear water? That's fair. Manny, for those who don't know where Igazu Falls are, can you tell them where they are, where it is? And yeah, can you teach Phil how to pronounce it? <laughs> First language is English, eh? It's the, uh, the tri-border area of Paraguay, Argentina, and Brazil. So you say tri-border, Paraguay doesn't actually get any of the falls, uh, but Argentina and Brazil do. So you can visit them from both sides. Pro tip, if you're doing the boat ride, which you should do, do it from the Brazilian side because the boat drivers are way more fun. Interesting. Sound like a tour guide that's done it a couple times. What's your what's the what's the most overrated world attraction? Uh, well, Bolivian Bolivian salt flats. Yes. Beyond any doubt, <laughs> I knew it was coming. Very confusing information on the podcast. Let's just say <laughs> fuck the Bolivian salt flats and be open about that. Okay. Do you, I feel I feel like the salt flats are like the hipster version of Paris. Because you can be really fucking polemic about Paris. You can either love it or hate it. And now the salt flats are the new thing. Like, if you're an experienced traveler, Paris is below you. You don't just speak about Paris anymore. You've either got a really strong love for the salt flats or you fucking detest them. That's it now. That's the new Paris. 
I feel like Manny has made me actually like Lindsay, who talked about the salt flats last or not last episode, the episode before made me want to go to the salt flats. But now I really want to go to the salt flats with Manny saying that he didn't like her, saying that it was overrated because I feel like I have to form my own opinion on this. No one tells you that the salt flats are mostly you sitting in a beat up four by four with air conditioning that doesn't work for eight to 12 hours a day, looking out a window at fucking salt. <laughs> you tell me if that's something you really want to do. Do you see a couple flamingos or a couple uh, llamas or something? Yeah, but you can do that not at 5,000 meters of altitude and not in Bolivia. Fair so. enough. We'll move on. Which country has the best cuisine? If I have to eat it for the rest of my life, Italy. If I'm going out for a meal, Vietnam. What is your biggest travel pet peeve? Uh, how many do I get to list? Uh, one. Because you asked for the biggest. Let's, let's, yeah, let's go with one. We'll have you on the next time and we'll ask you the same questions. What's your second and, biggest and, travel And you can just Everybody change that, that answer. People tune in for that. <laughs> I, I think it's got to be people who routinely say, I did. So you go to Peru for four days, you go to Bolivia for four days, you go to Chile for three days, and then you say, yeah, 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 I did Peru, I did Bolivia, and I did Chile. And it's like saying, I went to Chicago and I went to Miami and I've seen all there is to see in the United States and fuck that place, I'm never going back again. <laughs> I've been found out as a phony traveler. What's the word? Is it pho? Phony? I don't know, one of those two. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say people that were on t uh, that book tours. Uh, but what is your biggest travel hack? What is my biggest travel hack? Hmm. Yeah, so if you want to go see like Anchor Wat, or you want to go to any of these big major monuments, uh, if you can go in person and go speak with someone actually there first, and I don't mean like just a local, I mean someone who works there, go chat with them. Ask them if you can do a different entrance, a different time. I mean, these people are generally pretty flexible, actually, because no one ever asks this stuff. So I guess in a nutshell, it would be ask. ask. Don't, don't be afraid to ask. Yeah, like show up and say, could I show up 20 minutes early before the park opens? because I want to get here before the crowds come in. Because people say yes. You know, you're talking to an actual person there, so you'd be surprised how frequently, you know, you want to do something, you ask, and the guy goes, Can I just jump, I'm jump American. in? Right, man. I'm American. I can, I, I'm allowed 20 minutes in before. <laughs> I've got the special ticket. <laughs> I guess, maybe I should have said bribe, right? Because the ask typically also involves bribe. But I was leaving that bit out. That's something you never travel without. Uh, wool underwear and pseudephedrine nasal decompressants. Wow. Wool underwear? Can't get it anywhere else. Yeah, wool underwear. Are you guys telling me Dude, you're not, I'm not wearing underwear? You're not wearing wool underwear <laughs> right now? Here we go, guys! Ooh, all right. I hope you've got some of that bribe money with you, Manny. <laughs> wool underwear. Did you get that from the alpaca you, you fucking skinned in, in the salt flats? <laughs> <laughs> wool underwear is amazing. And. If you're trying to pack light, wool has like cool antimicrobial. Jesus, let's get on with this. Smart wool advertisement. Two beers still take off underwear. Wool. It's wool only. Let's go. <laughs> it's wool or nothing, though. That's that's right on. I'll, I'll have to look into that. What's the most underrated country? Plug Albania. Huh. <laughs> I think Albania is underrated, but I I actually might go with Argentina. <laughs> What? I'm, I'm actually really interested in hearing about this. Please tell me more, Manny. Yeah, so you get, I mean, Argentina is obviously, it's right there next to Bolivia and Chile and near to Peru, right? 
And if you're going to go hiking in the mountains and you want to do like trekking, not at 3000 meters in Peru and Bolivia, you go to Chile. If you want to go down to the Lake District and go to Patagonia, almost everyone goes to Chile. Chile is one way more expensive than Argentina and has a lot more people in it than Argentina. And Argentines, in my opinion, are much nicer. I had a, uh, a bus driver who always used to pick us up at the Mendoza border after we'd crossed over from Chile. And every time he would say to me two things. I don't know why he said it every time. It was like the guy had a tick. He had to tell me this every time. He referred to me as El Tiburon Blanco, the, the white shark, which was never explained. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Tom meant. Brady. Um, <laughs> and he always said about Chile, he goes, they have two problems. They're assholes <laughs> and their women have funny. no asses. And I think he was right, man. So, so Argentina has most of the stuff. Not everything, right? But has a lot of the same attractions that you get in these other places at a much cheaper price with super friendly locals and the coolest capital city in South America. Oh, wow. Which just so gets would you say it's cheaper than Brazil? Yeah, definitely. Way cheaper. You might see at Christmas in uh, Argentina there, uh, Sid. Our Argentina experiences have been completely different. Well, I know. It makes me want to go even more now. Fuck, right I have to make my own fucking opinion about it. Are you saying that you think Argentina was more expensive? Well, Chile, I haven't been then to. Then Chile or Brazil? Brazil? I would say outside of Sao Paulo, yeah. I thought Argentina was really quite steep, especially the actual traveling side of it. Like when uh, I was there. Have, have you Chile. been outside of Sao Paulo? Yeah, he's been to Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In Brazil? <laughs> yeah, Sao Paulo is ridiculously, ridiculously expensive. I don't know. The Argentine peso in the, the like, two and change years that I was guiding in there. The first time was 15 to 1, and the and last time I left, 70 went, went, yeah. 70 to 1. When I was, when I, when I, yeah, when I was there, it was 20. Now it's like 150 It's now 150. Fair enough. I don't know what that exactly means. Like, I don't know what the inflation rate has been in, in relation to that. We're also not running an economics podcast. <laughs> we could, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I put it this way. I remember I used to go to the same bar every time I go it? to Buenos Aires, and a beer. I, like I, a, I, 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 I don't know. I generally well, that's how I say it. Anyways, I don't. I thought it was called the Good Fucking Angels. So, yeah, I think so. But so the first time I bought a craft beer at this place, and craft beer is generous. It was bad, but it was you know not like a commercial beer. But anyways, it was. It cost me about three dollars and fifty cents. The last time I went to Buenos Aires, a couple years later, I think it cost me in the realm of a, of a dollar. So, so it's gotten cheaper. It, it was wow. just right. less. The inflation hadn't gotten there. But that doesn't mean that it's gotten that much better as a whole. Yes, it's got... So, okay, it's not yeah. expensive now because it was like a fucking European capital for how expensive it was. So at least it's now priced like a South American capital. But it's still fucking overrated. Take me to Asuncion any day. Paraguay over Argentina. <laughs> Go to the salt flats. You belong in the salt flats. You should spend the rest of your days in the salt flats with that opinion. I, I guess just a, a last plug for Argentina of, of what I've kind of heard from travelers is steaks and steaks and wine. Red wine there is unreal. So uh, definitely something to check out. Where have you experienced the least friendly locals? You can say the U.S. <laughs> Class. Aside. <laughs> Aside from Paris, I think Chile. And I don't know, maybe not all Chile. Santiago, for sure. Santiago ranks number one or number two on my list. Can I state what? a theory that I have here? Yeah. 
that I really think runs true. If you don't enjoy a country, which doesn't happen as often as you'd think, the next country you go to, you really fucking love. For example, the first time I ever went to Germany, I didn't enjoy it. Czech Republic, if you ever ask me about it, one of the best countries I've ever been to. I hated India, Sri Lanka. Fucking fantastic. It's, it's just by contrast, you, you thought it was, it was so much better? Just because you had such a bad experience, those well, other places made it so much yeah, better? Is, is this what makes people's opinions so fucking polarized sometimes? I liked Chile, though. I just didn't like you Chileans. You just told me you didn't like it. I said I didn't like the, I didn't like the locals. If you populated Chile with Argentines, man, amazing. But <laughs> well, that would be an invasion. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite cocktail? Ah, probably a Negroni or a Negroni Spagliato where you pull out the gin and you put in uh, like Prosecco or a sparkling white wine instead so you don't get unbelievably drunk after two of them. Yes, sir. That's, a, that's definitely a unique one. That's a good one. Where did you find your cheapest pint? Ah, probably Vietnam. Something like a dollar. Every time. Every time. Vietnam <laughs> rocks this contest. <laughs> Man, we, we really have to start taking out best cuisine and cheapest pint because they're just overrun in these categories. Is it, is it Vietnam all the time? Dude, yeah. yeah, every time. We were getting them for like 11 cents when we were there. Like, Wild. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. That's nuts. Like, I've never been to Vietnam and I was saying Vietnam on my Q&As just, just to put it into effect. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't think of anywhere else. Maybe, maybe the Philippines or Indonesia's got a cheaper pint somewhere, but... Like an honorable mention? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But not in the same bracket. Those boys have, they've dominated it. And it's good, where, man. Where in the world is your favorite bar? Man, that's an interesting question. <clears throat> ah, there's a, there's a bar in Rio that I, I think it's called Beep Beep. Like BIP, BIP. So if you're a Brazilian, you say beep, beep, while the rest of us go, how the fuck did you bye, get bye. that out of there? Beep, but, beep. Um, <clears throat> yeah, probably beep, beep in Rio. You get like this rotating cast of, it's a shitty bar in a not super nice neighborhood. I mean, it's in Copacabana, but a not nice part of it. And you might get some crazy, famous uh, Brazilian musician who just decides to drop by for a pint and grabs his guitar and goes sings for half an hour and then gets out of there, which is which is pretty cool. I, on the other hand, have only seen really shit, not famous Brazilian musicians there, but anyways. <laughs> you, 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 that, that, that really went on a fucking loop round for a second, because I was like, where's he going with this? This sounds <laughs> awful. He put back, fucking up, that sounds great, I'd go there. Did, did yeah, he do shots cool. with Ronaldo? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, how much were pints there? I don't think you can get a pint there. I think you have to... It was some Kishasa's only some weird rule. You had to go get something out of the fridge and it was just bottles. And then the owner would harass you if you made too much noise while someone else was playing music. It's one of these places you have to go to knowing what you're getting into. Otherwise, you just walk away feeling a little bit abused. But <laughs> I love a little bit of bullying when I'm drinking. <laughs> Top five. So number five, I would say Himare. Hope I'm saying it right. Old Town. So you have two sections of town in this cool little coastal beach town in the Albanian Riviera. That's the far south of the country uh, where it's mostly a Greek ethnic minority. So you also have some tensions between, you know, ethnic Albanians and ethnic Greeks down there. Anyways, the old, first of all, the beach is super cool. But the Old Town is this abandoned medieval, well, what it sounds like, an old town 
and they have like a little bit of a structure of a castle. There's a church. And what's really cool about it is that there's no one there. You don't pay to get in. There's no one. There's no entrance. There's no gate. There's no nothing. It's literally just in an abandoned old town uh, in the high part of a now beach city. So you go up and you just get to wander around this sort of maze of little alleyways and small little cobblestone streets. And you have this beautiful backdrop of the Albanian mountains behind you, uh, like immediately behind you. And in front of you, you have the uh, Mediterranean Ocean. And you can hear like the, the sheep from the shepherds with their little bells dingling in the background. So it's like, actually, it's, I don't quite know how to describe it. It feels Sounds pretty- picturesque. Picturesque. There you go. Yeah. It's not my it's first cool. language, but I, I, I know some big words. <laughs> and it's nice to go somewhere where you just get to go walk around. There's nothing particular to see. You just have a look and that's that. Number four, we're going with Pogradec, which I did mention earlier because it's where we got dropped off. And there's a reason I've chosen that. Because it's like, a, you know, it's similar in a way. I suppose it's a nice little town. It's a bit of a one-horse town, I guess, by Lake Orid. Awkward again, if you've got that fucking thick accent. This is the thing, though, why I'm not really fucking hyping up. It was nowhere near as good as the Macedonian side. Like, it was nice. It was cool. You could go swimming in the lake. It was not as good as the Macedonian side. And I think, like, we didn't do the south or anything. Yeah, we went to Tirana. And it was kind of like a running theme in Albania. They had some things to do. They were interesting-ish. But what was mostly interesting was how Albania was as a country. None of the fucking sites were like, wow, you know. Everything was either better in Montenegro or better in Macedonia or better in Greece. You know, I don't want to fucking diss the country too much, but they, they do lack some sites a little bit, I think. But Pogradec was all right. You know, that's really the best. It sounds like it's, it's maybe at a, a better price point than the other places, at least. Well... Do you factor in the organ that you need to donate when you get there? Or are we talking just in the currency exchange rate? Because, yeah, that would hey, differ. I need a taken four. I think we're at four now. Four? Taken four? I don't know. Ask Liam Neeson. He must know. He probably doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's actually sort of, sort of, in some ways, what I liked about Albania, though, was the absence of major sites to see. So you don't have that constant sense of, Ah shit! Did I miss something? Do I need to go see this? <laughs> you're not. You're not everywhere. Is super genuine. Yeah, you're not. You're not checking blogs, and you're not looking through TripAdvisor. You're not worrying about you know making sure that you're you got everything off your checklist because well shit, there really was no checklist. So I think that's cool. Uh, I love I love countries where you've got nothing to miss because there is nothing. <laughs> Yeah, you're just... You're just <laughs> I'm sorry any Albanians that are listening to this. It's not as bad as we're making it out, but fucking hell, you lack a few Hashtag things. Al Albanian tourism. They're going to fucking share the shit out of this episode. Man, there, there's a quote from uh, this travel writer, D.H. Lawrence. I think he was British, so we won't hold that against him, but the quote is good. He said something like, he goes to some weird tertiary city in Sardinia, this island off the coast of Italy, and said something like, Noro has no sights to see. What a relief. It's such a bore to have to go see all the sights. And man, some of the time, I agree. It's nice to just go somewhere and go, well, let's just go sit somewhere, have a beer, have a coffee, hang out, go look at whatever there is to see and not worry about, did we do everything that, that is on everyone else's list? Yeah, that's definitely a good quote. All right, number three, 
I would say, the archaeological site of Butrint. This is in southern Albania, a couple of kilometers south of Saranda, which is the nearest urban center, and I think also the last real urban center you get in Albania before the Greek border. So you can see the island of Corfu, just across the Strait of Corfu from there, and uh, super accessible. You can hop a bus or, you know, one of those shared vans where you roll up and just ask, hey, where are you going, how much, that sort of thing, and hope that... that My internal guys- organs don't matter. <laughs> Exactly. That's how, that, 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 that's how we finally got to Tirana, and they only accepted us because we were already all missing the organs. They, ah, they saw, the, they saw the stitch marks. They're like, oh, no, you guys already yeah. gave them on, upon entry. You're good. Yeah, get in the van. You'll be all right, son. <laughs> uh, but so the, the archaeological site is really cool. It's been inhabited for more than about 2,000 years, and we're going back to the pre-Hellenic period, so like pre-Greek history. So you have wow. the, the Illyrians, uh, the Greeks, the Romans, the Byzantine Empire is there for a period. The Venetians at some point take control. The Angevins come over from Italy at some point. And then eventually, closer to modern day, you have the Ottoman Empire that's there. That said, none of these different civilizations seems to have cared very much about Butrint. So there's not exactly a whole lot there. But the archaeological site is fascinating. You just get this mishmash of styles. You have Ali Pasha, an Ottoman ruler's castle. You have Venetian fortresses. You have a Greek amphitheater. You have Roman walls that have all been built on and changed by each civilization that's passed through there. And it's all in a, in a like malarial marsh, which obviously begs the question of why the fuck would anyone have ever settled here when you could have gone a few kilometers north and been on high ground without the malaria. But um, the archaeological site's enormous. It's this whole island. You pay a couple dollars to get in, and you just get to spend the day wandering. And unlike in much of Europe, where everything is behind gates and fences and where tour guides are pushing you through, uh, you're just left to yourself in the grounds. So, you know, you (laughs) you try to behave, but man, if you want to go climb up a wall or go sit in the amphitheater, <laughs> have at. Uh, and if, again, if you go in early summer, man, it's just you there. There's no one else there, aside from like a few weird Germans who, of course, are there because Germans are everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> wow, tips are going down for Germans. <laughs> Manny from Two Beers Still Takeoff? <laughs> it, 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 that kind of makes me think of the fucking the college I went to. It's a college that existed but there were a lot of other much better colleges around it. But at the same time, everybody would still sign their names as, as each generation went through. Like you'd go into the toilet stores and sign like Sid was here. <laughs> and the next generation would be like, Brian was here, 1996, you know. And it wasn't the best place to go to college, but we'd go there. Yeah. And you'd leave your mark. Maybe it's like the fucking, it's the tourism equivalent of college. Yeah. Number two. I would say Giro Castor. Don't hold me to the pronunciation. It's Is that how you say it? I was, I was, man, I've been holding that in so many fucking times. It's not. It's definitely not, but that's how I'm saying it now. You head inland from Butrint, and I don't remember, it's a couple of hours, three, four hours, something like this, and you get to this city inside of the Drino Valley. So it's sort of a big open plain with a whole bunch of mountains literally circling the entire thing. 
uh, I had a very, very odd hotel experience here, recommended by a very odd German man who featured earlier on into my Albanian experience. Bit of a shameful episode, that earlier one as well. Anyways, so you get out to Girocaster and it's super cool. You're climbing, climbing, climbing in altitude. And then all of a sudden you just hit this enormous valley and you have this like unbelievably well-preserved Ottoman city lying out in front of you. Um, the fact that it's been so well-preserved probably doesn't bode very well for the economy of the place, but it does make it really attractive to go visit. You get, you know, Ottoman houses from the 1800s completely well-preserved in there. Wow, interesting. I didn't know that the Ottoman Empire was that late, I guess. I know not much about the Ottoman Empire. I just didn't know that it was like 1800s. Like, that's, that's crazy. I think the Ottoman Empire left in like 1913 or something from Albania. They were still they were they were still yeah, kicking right. ass till World exactly, War One. Yeah. Um, my history, so, my history yeah. is pretty good. They were the top boys it's in so really the area. Cool. You get these these all these. Hey, you're from you're you're from a country you're you're from a country that's twelve years old. I don't <laughs> hold it against you. Yeah, we we're like pretty pumped that we're like twenty years old. It's coming soon. <laughs> Maybe we'll be old enough to drink in the states here sh- shortly. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Man, I was looking at a beer cap yesterday, uh, which I'm going to bring to you, Sid. And I'm looking at it, and the, the cap of the beer says 21 and over. It's Yingling. And you just look at that and go, well, no one's importing Yingling, so what does it matter? But, man, only in the That's U.S. dusty. Did you know that uh, the rest of the world is not 21 to drink? Like in Canada, some parts is 18, some parts is 19. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There are some weird parts of the U.S. where you can go drink, like Minnesota. You can drink at a bar if you're with a family member or something and you're 18. It's very Quebec. At at the same time, certain bars in Sweden do have this limitation. Certain types of bars in Sweden you need to be 21 to get into. I think it's for spirits, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think it's anywhere that sells spirits and anywhere that has some kind of fucking... I don't know, brothel ah, vibe or whatever. I don't know how to define vibe. it. Got you. There were certain bars we got turned away from in Sweden. And when we went to catch the fucking boat to Denmark, they said we couldn't because we were too young. 18 at the time, so we had to catch the fucking coach. Still got pissed on the coach. It didn't change anything, but... <laughs> Number one, beyond any shred of a doubt, the Albanian Riviera. So that's the whole southern coastline from Vlore which is like the biggest city and the largest port right there. That's where I landed coming over from Brindisi in Italy. So the coast from Vlore down to basically the Greek border, they call the Albanian Riviera. And it's just a series of, again, you've got mountains behind the coast, so you don't have a whole ton of space to do anything. It's mostly just this series of little small towns of two to 5,000 people where most of the people live up in the hill. So up in the hills, you'll have the actual settlement where people continue to live now. And then down in front of the beach, you'll have, if they have it, some sort of tourist infrastructure. And the the beaches are all different. You get rocky beaches, you get little teeny coves, you get protected ones, you have fully open ones. Again, you're in the Mediterranean Sea, so hey, if you're going surfing, forget it. But it's all different the whole way. Have you been to Xamil? Xamil is supposed to be... Gorgeous. That's just outside of Saranda, that city way down in the south. I didn't have enough time to stop by. And also, supposedly, it's, uh, for what it's worth, the most heavily touristed of the bunch. Because you can take the ferry over from Corfu. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> but it's tourists in Albania, so it's not like the you're not going to Paris on a beach here. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean that. So that was what I liked so much about the Albanian Riviera is that you have this series of all these different beaches: Gipe, Livadi, uh, Himare Beach. You get to Lukove, all these different beaches stretching along the coast. And there's just Porto Palermo. There's no one there. You know, you stop and you just hop out, and you're going to be the only person at the beach, which obviously poses a problem because the bus that you just got off of runs three or four times a day. It's like I want at to. At the will of, yeah, yes, at the will of the bus driver. <laughs> and you hop off and you point at your watch because none of you, he speaks Greek and, or maybe he speaks Albanian, but probably Greek because they speak Italian down till about Vlore and then the Italian disappears. So you point at your watch and you ask him, when are you coming back? And the guy just kind of smiles and shrugs at you and goes, <laughs> And so you say, well, fuck me. I'm going to go to the beach and then sit here probably by the side of the road for about four or five hours waiting for this bus. <laughs> that's, that's wild, man. Uh, but I mean, the prices are amazing. We're talking $25 a night for a nice hotel room. Uh, meals, five bucks, something like this. It's in Europe, that's pretty unbeatable for a gorgeous Mediterranean beach. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I, I had done some research, I guess. I don't know how many of these episodes that I'm going to say that I haven't been to the country. I'm excited for some some more <laughs> mainstream European destinations of Brazil. <laughs> like those those are the ones I'm going to be popping off for. But oh man, I can't wait till we do Connecticut. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking nice. no one ever. <laughs> but um, in terms of Rivieras on the Mediterranean, I know the French Riviera, and from what I looked up, I guess I, I didn't know that Albania had a Riviera. I don't know of any other Riviera in Europe, but like just it being, I guess, named a Riviera, I assumed it was fucking beautiful. Based on the pictures, it's amazing. Yeah, it's nice. I think that's some really good branding by the Albanian Ministry of Tourism to call Absolutely. it a, a Riviera. But man, it is nice. And it's one of these places where you go, there's not enough tourism yet for them to have just demolished the old towns and built up big resorts. So you still have to stay in a guest house. And, you know, maybe there's a hotel or two, but likely one in every five or ten towns. So uh, the coast hasn't been marred by big high-rise constructions and tons and Yet. tons of tourists flying in for a five-day vacation. You know, it takes some work to get there. So in, in terms of Albania, I can't contribute a, a lot. But in terms of the research that I did, like we, we did d decide to do Croatia and Montenegro instead of going into Albania. We just didn't have enough time. The only thing that I guess... I can really contribute that I think is really helpful towards travel to Albania is if you're leaving any major city in Europe, uh, a hub city, whatever it is, flying into Corfu instead of flying into Tirana, the capital, is a lot cheaper. I know shit. Because so what you can do is you can fly into Corfu and take a ferry, like you mentioned, into Xamil. And it is one of the most touristy places, but it's just, it's so much cheaper to do than actually fly into Toronto. So just something to note for people who are like, wow, you guys, you, you guys sold it so much. I have an extra internal organ to donate. I'd love to go to this place. <laughs> so Manny and Sid, I guess you, you, you guys have talked about a lot of the things that you did like from Albania, but can you talk a bit about the things that you didn't like? Can I kick us off here? Yeah, this was maybe not something I didn't like, but just one of the reasons I realized Albania is a little bit fucking wild, yeah? When we left Pogradec, we went up to Tirana, yeah? And with the four of us, we had this fucking unbelievable villa, yeah? 
amazing. We never would have been able to afford this anywhere else in Europe, I think, on our fucking bird food budgets. But so we get this big villa and we're like, oh, we spoke to the villa owner. Where can we go for dinner? He told us this place. You know, it was a little bit in towards the centre. We're going up the River Lana, yeah? And we're in there, we go into this little place. There's a bit of music playing. There's a few carpets hanging off the wall. It, it, like, it looks reasonably authentic. We go to sit down, we're like, where are the tables? He points us to this table that must only be about 18 inches off the floor. What are you floor. in Japan? Yeah. Oh, you can imagine how high the stalls were. <laughs> They're also about 18 inches, so we all left with fucking back problems. We've been seeing chiropractors ever since we ate in this fucking Albanian restaurant, right? There was two things on the menu that stood out because all of it was in Albanian. One looked moderately safe and the other looked reasonably dangerous. And the others didn't really seem like main courses based on the what we could get from the waiter. So between the four, it's like, all right, we'll have two of each. At least then we might eat, right? So the first two come out and they're stuffed peppers, you know, stuffed with a bit of miscellaneous Liam meat. Taken I don't know, could have been from know. fucking goat, Tourist. sheep, horse, dog, I don't know. Yeah, miscellaneous, yeah, it's from... <laughs> yeah, exactly. With the rice and the peppers. But it was edible, yeah? It was almost like Western food. The other two came out just a little bit afterwards yeah, and I'd yeah. already jumped into the peppers because I knew what was coming, yeah? Fucking lamb's oh, head. Oh, shit. With oh, the brains still in. Man. It was a fucking... You would have eaten the brains direct That's from the lamb head. That's what thought about. And the whole skull, like, cut in half, yeah, just brought to you on the table. That's gnarly. Did you eat it? Did you eat the brain? Are we are we talking, like, fried well, I had brain? a little bit of it. Oh. It was fucking disgusting. No, I give it straight I give it straight to Ricky and was like, oh, that's your plate. You should have fucking got into the peppers. Fuck, man, the, the guy didn't speak English. I didn't know it was brain till it got there. I never asked him if it was fucking sautéed, <laughs> if he put the oregano on it, if he got the fucking parsley out. No, it was, was like, brain. hey, buddy, do you have ketchup? I prefer Heinz. Uh, I would have said I was straight down to McDonald's afterwards, but there's no fucking McDonald's in Albania. Little fact for you in case you're interested. But yeah, so lamb's brain fucking brought to us on the first night. And, and the meals just continued like this. Like, they were just random as fuck. Like, nothing was as bad as the lamb's brain, but, like, the food oh, was just fuck. weird, man. So, I mean, I guess it sort of depends, right? I went to Albania fully expecting to basically wing it, right? And have a lot of bad meals, stay in a lot of bad hotels, uh, and have an overall pretty weird experience. I had an overall pretty weird experience. I stayed in a few bad hotels. I mean, the lack of, of real public transport, it's fun when you say, hey, the bus comes four times a day and whatever, get up at 7 a.m. and wait there until whenever it passes, whether that's 7, 8, or 9. That That's sort of fun until it's not fun and you go, well, fuck me, I'd like to go to the beach and I'd also like to not miss the bus and spend 14 hours at the beach when I wanted to spend six well, no, no, knowing Albania, that's six, seven, eight, nine. Those are dates as well. They aren't hours. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's it's fun if you're prepared for the the absolute weight and for the inconvenience of it. If you're on a tight time schedule, man, it's a disaster. You just can't do anything. The bus goes thirty miles an hour, absolute maximum. So, so sorry. So, for people who don't know what a mile per hour is, I think that's. <laughs> 670 kilometers an hour. Sounds right. Is that close, Sid? Yeah, it's like this. It's close, close to the okay. speed of light, I think. Sound or light? One of the two of them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Whatever's faster. Uh, aside from that, I mean, like, hey, look, to be honest, the level of foreign languages spoken is, is super poor. If you speak Greek in the south, hey, you can do okay. If you speak Italian north of Lore, 
you do fine. I mean, I landed in, in Vlore and just spoke in Italian and no worries. But as soon as you cross this little, the Yogara Pass and you're heading down into sort of that Greek ethnic minority area, I mean, some of those people don't, whether or not this was true, I don't know, or whether it was a pride thing, claimed to not speak Albanian, but they sure as hell didn't speak Italian at that point. So, you know, communication was zero most of the time. How do you say pizza in Albanian? Uh, pizza? <laughs> oh, fuck, nobody knows how many Albanians have worked like triangle pastry. Let me jump in with two more before we move on, all right, with this, because I, I, I fucking enjoyed my trip to Albania. As I said, one of the weirdest, if not the weirdest countries I've been to, probably on par with Paraguay. Maybe you put Cuba in that bracket, but it's definitely up there, yeah. I did really fucking enjoy it. Unique, crazy. But the attractions were fucking shit, as I touched on, yeah. We went to what was known as like the, the, the Pyramid of Tirana, which is basically like a Soviet-era, like UFO-looking fucking building, and it's supposed to be the number one thing to visit in Tirana. And honestly, if you type in the Tirana Pyramid, you will, you will find it, and it is exactly what you'd expect. It's like fucking tilted on the edges. Like, honestly, it looks like it's about ready to take off, except for the fact that it's all rusty <laughs> and moldy. You know, and I mean, that was the level of attraction. Like, I enjoyed going to see the Starling statue, you know, a man of history. Shout out to San Paolo Jack if he's <laughs> listening, he'll get that reference. But that was about it. You know, the other great thing in Tirana was this stone bridge. And I mean, I must have been to about 68 different English towns that have the exact same stone bridge. It's just a bridge made of stones that goes across a river. Like, it really was nothing to it. And then the second one I want to add to it is the bar scene because we, we had a fucking, we had a bit of fun in Tirana. We really went out and enjoyed ourselves. And especially in that lake town that I keep forgetting, it was a little bit less crooked. It was, you know, you could have a good time down there. It was more consistent. But up in Tirana, it was hit and miss whether or not you'd find a good bar. We went to this place called Charles Bar, yeah? Charles. No fucking Albanian guys called Charles, I'll tell you that for sure. And honestly, it looked like a scene out of every low-budget gangster film you've ever seen. Like, the bad guys that are in Taken, that's probably where they get casted from. They just go to the bar and pick them up from there. You could see them carrying the organs <laughs> around the bar. Right? And we've been in there for a couple of beers. And remember, every other bar we'd been in before then, yeah, we were spending like a euro a pint, really. It was nothing. Went into Charles' bar and we got the bill. Fucking hell, it was about six times the price of everyone of everywhere else. Just because they must have realized, fucking hell, these are the only guys not carrying the organs around. Charles they can't be class, from here. man. You pay for class. My <laughs> child is a prick. He owes me some fucking money. All right. Well, a lot of great information. I think. I, th I think from what, what you guys kind of said, it's extremely cheap. You know, uh, it's it's also a place that sounds like it's a bit untouched uh, in, in a lot of yeah, places sure. in terms of tourism. But you might, like we said, you might lose an organ while you're there. So let's get into the story. Story time. So um, <clears throat> I take off from Brindisi in Italy, and the first sort of impression is not the greatest. The boat looks like what it is, you know, 1940s, 50s, something like this, a big red, rusty old boat. Uh, Was there an eagle on it, like their flag? I think it must have been an Italian boat, so no. Oh, I was thinking more like 24 guys on the bottom, each with an oar, <laughs> fucking rowing it across. This is an English colonialism there, Sid. But I mean, man, it, it's a weird experience. You're at a port. Ports are never nice. It's full of Albanian migrants who typically in Italy don't make a lot of money. 
uh, just with like every sort of appliance bag package you can imagine, refrigerators coming back, washing machines, all sorts of just weird shit, and everyone just milling about waiting for this boat whose departure time is any time between 10 and 3 in the morning. To just sit, you know, you're <laughs> sitting waiting with them. Just sitting there with your fucking, your microwave and your small intestine <laughs> waiting to go And the across. Italians don't like Albanians, man. So finally we board the boat. It's slow, cars come on, blah, 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 blah. And then everyone's waiting to physically board. You have to do some sort of a passport check. And you know that, that level of lines don't always exist in other parts of the world? Yeah. You guys know what I mean? Where it just yeah. becomes like people are trying to triangulate in. There's six different lines snaking off of the main line. They're all trying to force their way in this tiny little door where at the end there's an Italian border agent who's checking everyone. And the Italian police keep coming out and pushing them back and pushing them back and pushing them back and start getting pretty violent. And at some point, a kid faints, his mother's shrieking and crying, someone hits somebody, and you just go, fuck me, is it time to just turn Sounds like a hockey game. (laughs) Exactly. So anyways, eventually we board. We take off, you know, you get a shitty cabin on a shitty boat. And you sleep through the night while people come by and try to sneak inside your room and do whatever they want to do to you and your your luggage. And you land. You get to Vlore, and all the information you get in advance is, well, there's a bus terminal. Find the bus terminal. So I went in and I got an Albanian SIM card, and I typed into Google Maps, bus terminal. And I looked around and tried to find a bus terminal. There's a bus terminal. So I walk off and head in the direction of a bus terminal. Stop, have lunch, take a look around town. There's nothing to see. A few Soviet monuments, a mosque that's not a mosque because the communist dictatorship didn't believe in religion. You get to the bus terminal. It's like a real, legit, built bus terminal with no buses in it. (laughs) It'll be like you said about the ghost old town. Exactly, it's in a weird part of town. So you ask someone... And they go, nah, 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 you idiot. The bus terminal is on the other side of town. Go look for this cafe. Okay. (laughs) I pay a taxi driver to take me to the cafe because it doesn't exist on the map. First Uh, place that Google is actually wrong. Yeah, exactly. But that's cool. (laughs) It's nice that Google's wrong. You go, fuck, where am I? Fuck you, Google. (laughs) Exactly. This is a Microsoft podcast. There's no street view there. And so you arrive to this cafe with like a shitty dirt parking lot next to it. And there's a million buses in it. And it's just like, what what in the world could have... There's a real bus terminal, but they're parked next to a cafe. So anyways, you get on the bus. You go. They got the good bacon sandwiches in that cafe. I think that's the reason. So I, I, I hop on the bus. And first thing is, oh, fuck me. The bus is full. And the last spot is the little seating area in front of the door. The door doesn't exist. There is no door in front of the bus. It's just open. So... That's where you're sitting, right? Whatever. We do the bus ride. It's unpleasant. You're sitting next to the door, winding mountain roads all the way along, and not a nice place to be sitting. Spent a nice couple days at the beach, and I then take off for what I had found. Someone had recommended on a beach this glamping site, right? You guys know glamping? Yeah, glamorous camping. Yeah, for people who don't know, I was gonna say just yeah, just to clarify for anyone that yeah, it's basically still shit, but it's slightly nicer version of camping, but it's still shit. Yeah, this was none of those. But anyways, uh, I'd passed it a few times. I was staying in this little beach town, and I was checking out the nearby beaches, and 
on the far end, like two hours away from where I was staying, there was this little site that said glamping. So I figured I'd check it out. I gave him a call. And in some very broken English being a generous term, someone explained to me that you need to stop in this little town at this cafe where a German man will meet you and direct you to the campsite. <laughs> and Sounds like a lot of stuff happens at cafes in, in fucking Albania. <laughs> <laughs> also, what did we say about the Germans getting everywhere? So it is, man. <laughs> so I go for it, right? I finished my time at the nice beach town, nice little hotel, 25 bucks a night, breakfast every morning, nice couple Weirdly, with a woman from Cincinnati who's married to the guy, how she wound up there. Big Bengals fan. To this day, I don't know. But um, so I stop at this cafe and I walk inside. And sure enough, there is a German man sitting there on his like new shiny MacBook Pro wearing a nice sort of linen suit and a fedora. And, you know, he looks at me and goes, you're here for the glamping. And <laughs> the first thought that runs through my mind is, wow. yeah, are you going to harvest my organs or am I getting sex trafficked? Which one of these? <laughs> the ones I've got left. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the functional ones I have left. Probably not looking for a liver. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're talking a town of maybe 600 people. Like there's a little road, a couple of houses, and this cafe. That's it. And you just go, what the, what the fuck is this guy doing here in a suit, looking snazzy, his MacBook Pro, everything, whatever. All right, man. He directs me down. I've come this far. And he sends me down this long, like, three-kilometer road down towards the beach. So I take off, head down towards the beach. And you really do have that nagging thought of, what am I doing? Like, this is a, a poor idea, but all right, let's see it through. Liam Neeson is not my dad. <laughs> And so I, I, after about a kilometer, I come across this big tree. And I look up, and in the tree, I shit you not, are four men in their underwear, just covered in blood. In the tree, like standing in on the, the branches, tree. fucking around in the tree. They're going to fuck you now. All like smeared red across fuck? their bodies, looking at me, smiling, grinning from ear to ear. And my first thought is, well, that settles it. I'm being sex trafficked, not my organs, okay. <laughs> What the fuck does that guy... I wouldn't even expect this from tribes people, like, in a fucking tree. So I, I can, you know, at this point, I'm in front of them. There's no point turning. You just keep going. And these guys grinning from ear to ear saying, I don't know what, you know, they're speaking Albanian. And as it turns out, it was not blood. They were in a blackberry tree and they were eating blackberries out of the tree. And their bodies were covered in weird-ass black blackberry mush. Wow. A hundred percent. I kid you not. I don't not. know if I buy that or not. And the guy hands me down, one of the guys hands me down, like he breaks off a branch and hands me down a little blackberry branch full of blackberries, which I eat sort of... Like, if, if you're, if you're going to kill somebody, that might be the greatest ever cover story. I just started The Serpent and this, town, this sounds like the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like there, there was a bunch of fucking dead bodies, but I was just in the blackberry tree, you know. Blackberries, harmless fruit. I like that. It makes sense. They they took off their clothes. They didn't want to get blackberries stained. They didn't want to get them on them. I mean, the weirdest thing about the bunch is that like, these guys are, have, are parked next to the tree is a new Mercedes, you know, C-Class just hanging Full out. fucking blackberries. You know, if you've ever seen The Sopranos, you appreciate this because they always talk about their, their stealing cars and exporting them off to Albania where they're going to get sold for more. And this was like yeah. a constant theme throughout Albania. Super nice Mercedes and BMWs and all these luxury cars 
where you go, how are these here? So anyways, I, I make it down. I have some blackberries. Uh, I don't get raped or sex traffic <laughs> yet. Uh, and I make it down to the glamping site. It's not glamping. It's just a tent in, you know, in front of a it's beach. It's camping. It's camping. Yeah, it's camping. There's like a little, I mean, granted, there is a little mattress in your, your tent. So you're not lying flat on the ground, but. Full of blackberry stains. <laughs> you hope, man. You hope. <laughs> and hang out for a few days at the beach. German guy comes down a few times. His explanation had been that he was a guidebook writer. However, how accurate that was as I saw him each night, like crawling inside of a tent and living off the camping site became, well, maybe not a very successful one anyways. Wow. Interesting. But um, a lot of Albanian orange wine, which to this day I couldn't tell you what that, that is, uh, and a, a lot of hangovers. Nice beach spot, though. Beautiful beaches. Uh, no one else there, literally except for the strange German man and the, I presume, Albanian owner of the tent site and or Blackberry Farm. <laughs> So anyways, spend a few days at the glamping, camping, not very glamorous camping site. And the German guy recommends to me that I head off to Butrint and to... The same German guy that's quite clearly nothing but a smartly dressed fucking vagabond. I can, I can just imagine the techno music playing in the background when you were there. Like or in his own tent. The German guy in his own tent. Just fist bumping. This guy's like 50. Have, you know, we're not talking about he's, a 30-year-old like, hipster. This is a strange man to see here. He's like, have you seen Jersey Shore? <laughs> <laughs> it's my best Borat accent. Fantastic. <laughs> right. So we've all seen Jersey Shore. Next, where did he send you? <laughs> so he, I mean, we got really un, like uncontrollably drunk on this Albanian wine that the owner must have been making. And I just, the next day, the guy was gone the next day when I was leaving, and I had all these notes in my iPhone. And, you know, Jesus, notes, notes the day after a real bender are not exactly the most reliable. Anyone who's seen the idiotic ramblings of their drunk self certainly knows that. Or that's listened to our <laughs> podcast. So the, the, the notes basically read to head out to Butrint, take a look, and then continue on a bus heading north to, or I guess it's, it's east, I don't know, to Girocaster, the city with all the nice Ottoman architecture. And it's spelled out, I mean, I still have it in my notes right now, step-by-step directions on what to do on arrival in Girocaster. It says, get off the bus walk about like a half kilometer till you see this Soviet statue, bang a left, and head up until you see a new Soviet statue and a little mini market with an old woman inside of it. Have a Blackberry, make a left. And if the old woman's not inside, <laughs> turn right. I mean, the, the, the catch here is that it's Albania. There are tons of Soviet little monuments and statues all over the place. And also the street has like five or six different mini marts on it. So I'm just popping in everywhere asking, hi, is there an old woman here? Which typically doesn't, you know, go over super well. Babushkas. If you were if you were a true comrade, you'd know how to sniff out the crib. <laughs> now he's American. He's the complete opposite of a comrade. Yeah, you're right. He wasn't welcome there. Yeah, they didn't look at me and say comrade, that's for sure. But so I can't I can't find the woman. The mini marts are closed. There's two or three different Soviet monuments on the street. That's sort of that. So I'd been told that there was this guy who owned a kebab shop 
further down the street who sometimes rented rooms. Right, the same German man whose info this far has gotten me not very far has told me to check out the kebab <laughs> man. You should come up with a guidebook. I really like him. <laughs> wow. This guy's a phenomenon. So I head down. The kebab shop is there, right? And le- left Terry. Sorry, can I just interrupt money? Money. Every bit of information you give on your tours for the amount of money you charge is bullshit <laughs> compared to what this German man in Fedora offers. This guy's a legend. <laughs> so he's right, though, man. The kebab shop exists. I go down. It's like lef- called Lefteri or something like this. I go down, and the kebab man speaks English and Italian. So we're able to chat a little bit. And I explain to him, he doesn't have a room, right? The guy rents rooms. He doesn't have a room. I explain to him that a German man from some town, Lukove, I think, has recommended this old woman who owns a mini-mart next to a Soviet statue that she will have rooms for, you know, $15 a night or something. And the kebab man listens for a while and makes a couple of phone calls, sort of unexplained, just calls a few people. They have phones there? The kebab man does, at least. (laughs) The regular peasants don't, but a kebab man does. And so I'm sitting, at this point I'm having a kebab and a beer because, well, shit, I'm there. And after maybe an hour and a half, this beat-up black Mercedes just pulls up in front of the kebab shop and honks the horn, points at me, and I sort of look at him going, what the hell do you want with me? And the guy points at me again, honks the horn, and makes the, like, the sleeping signal, you know, two hands and leans his head. And you I'm, sleep while I take your... Like, we're going to drug you. I take your organs. <laughs> yeah. So exactly, it's the same calculus. Is it organ harvesting or sex slavery I'm about to be sold into? <laughs> and at this point, I just say, fuck it, I'm here, the guy's here, I've come this far and I walk up. The guy speaks no English, no Italian, no nothing. And I hop in his Mercedes. He whips it around, pulls me up, takes me to a house where sure enough, there is an old lady. Is it the old lady who I had been told to meet up with? I don't know. But it's an old lady who has a really disgusting room with a terrible bed that she's going to rent me for somewhere in the realm of $15 a night. And I say, okay, one, five, 15, pretty good. That was about what we paid for the fucking villa. You got done, my son. Well, what are you going to do? Went in Girocaster, I guess. I had better hostels in Malta. <laughs> yeah, when you were, I suppose when you've been chased around by a German man in a fedora, eh, I suppose you accept what you've got given. I mean, the, the instructions from this man were essentially walk up the hill, find the thing, blah, blah, blah. This old woman will speak no English and allow you into her house where she will give you a bed somewhere in the house. And at some point in the morning, she will wake you up when she pleases and, you know, t- take you up into her house for breakfast. Wow. But so this is what this is what happened. The woman comes down, wow. wakes me up at about seven in the morning, takes me upstairs and gives me breakfast along with the same guy who pulled up in his Mercedes. Whether or not this was ever the woman who this German guy intended, I go stay at her house. I don't know. Or whether this is a custom that people in Girocaster do again absolutely no clue but um this 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 is extremely extremely odd manny like what was their demeanor around you when you were i guess just in their present was it it's like it's not i it's pretty weird right you're some some strange guy who's rolled up can't speak their language doesn't know what's going on 
who they've picked up from a lamb kebab place because someone <laughs> called somebody's cousin who called someone's mother and said, send send the beaten up Mercedes to collect this man. Who happens to know the German exactly. with the fedora. The fedora-wearing German has sent him. Like some kind of holy figure. Oh, he's been sent by the German with the fedora. Oh, he must worship. <laughs> he, he can afford glamping. Exactly. <laughs> but but Manny, what's the first thing that she asked you? I'm really, I'm really intrigued. Was it, do you want some blackberries? <laughs> <laughs> the woman... I did speak to me consistently in a language I can't understand. I responded in a language she couldn't understand. And you have one of these moments where you both look at each other and go, well, fuck both of us. But I'm assuming this wasn't quite the worst of the ins and outs of what actually happened. Like, do you want to kind of clarify for us how grim this got based on the this random-ass adventure that okay. you've been on? The glamping went a little a little sideways, a little uh, less smoothly, I guess you could say, than I would have liked it to. The Albanian orange wine session turned into an Albanian shame session. Fedora, Fedora <laughs> German man and I decided to order a bottle of the owner's orange wine at some point in the evening. Uh, and then we decided to order a second bottle of the owner's orange wine. Did it taste like oranges? Boy, I don't. I couldn't tell you what it tasted like. It tasted <laughs> like shame in my memory now. Like blackberries on a body. It also wouldn't surprise me if this German guy was somewhere along the lines on the payroll. He's bringing tourists to the glamping and like being like, oh, order the orange wine, order the orange wine. Like, this guy's fucking working for him at this point. I don't surely. think these guys were organized. I'm not sure the organization was a nice fedora in this glamping site. Especially considering I was the only tourist there for the, the three days. Um, <laughs> well, that sounds a lot like sex tourism all of a sudden. But by bottle number three of the orange wine, we've now discussed the Albanian woman in Giro Castor who will give me an unpleasant room and wake me up too early to have breakfast. And we've moved on to presumably other subjects. At some point, the night ends, and I head back to my tent. At which point... The intent vomiting ensues. The is your American? Eesh. The orange wine. Orange wine. Oh, the orange oh, wine. <laughs> it does stain orange. In fact. Um, oh fuck. And then all the the fish and the stuffed cheesy peppers at some point get mixed in to uh, the orange wine event. Oh fuck. And at, at some point, I must wander. I mean, this is pretty hazy, but I must wander outside of my tent, and in my mind, I find a secluded, safe little spot to to take a shit. Or probably multiple shits. <laughs> All the orange so I, Wow. I do my business. I wander back to my tent. I collapse. Probably have a few more little vomitous episodes. And I wake up at some time in the morning lying halfway outside of my tent as the sun comes down at, at six in the morning streaming out to my face. Oh, hold on. Before we move on. So... Were you, how did you do the shits? Did you just squat down and just take the pants off and just go to town? Yeah, whether pants were on at that point, I don't know. Use the pants. There, use the pants to yeah. wipe. I don't think. I, I, I don't think he knows. I don't think he knows. Did you just hear him? He said he was halfway out his tent when he woke <laughs> up. You don't wake up half in and half out if you're fucking sober. If you know what's going on, you're not half in and half out. You're out or you're in. But so the the this I couldn't tell you. I don't know. I was probably naked the entire time, wandering around a campsite naked, uh, like Mr. Burns in a Simpsons episode. <laughs> Smudging blue blackberries <laughs> around your body. And I wake up the next morning. 
I go down, I have breakfast, I go to the beach. At some point, a one of the like the staff members is walking by, giving me the evil eye, carrying a shovel. And I go, okay. Oh. Not sure, not sure what this is about, but the evil eye, okay. And I sit there, I go for a swim, I come back, and at this point, someone comes down and goes, Hey, how are you, how are you feeling this morning? And I go, very badly, <laughs> you know, as as you are. And it comes to pass that I had not found a secluded spot off from the campsite to do my dirty business, but instead I had taken a shit directly outside of the owner's tent, uh, in which in which he and his children were sleeping. What a place. What a place to pick. <laughs> oh my God, that's so fucking hilarious. <laughs> I mean, we're talking literally directly in front of the guy's tent. Wow. And it's not gravel. There's some that's like gets. Some solid wow. cement. So the, the evidence, I checked it out. The evidence was there. I was guilty as charged. Orange notes. Just to clarify, this is not whole person camping. This is glamping. This is glamping, man. This is glamorous camping. You shit in front of the glamping owner's fucking tent. Well, it was advertised as glamping. It was not glamping. And certainly after me, it wasn't glamping. But anyway. Oh, my God. That's so fucking hilarious. <laughs> so I guess to wrap up, if anybody needs any travel advice from this episode, one, don't follow random fucking Germans you meet on the road. <laughs> Be careful where you shit because it's better to shit in a toilet than in a field, especially if that field is full of tents. And free. Money is worth every penny. If you need a tour guide, the, the last the last point I'm, I'd make is pack some toilet paper because <laughs> it doesn't sound like it happened. <laughs> designate some designate some socks that aren't as useful as they could be. Well, and I suppose if we need a fucking additional one beyond the socks, fucking hell, depending on what you're looking for, you might be better off visiting every other country around Albania that isn't Albania. Don't drink the orange wine. But that's as far as I'll go. But still visit Albania somehow. I don't know how, but still visit. Manny, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you uh, coming on. With you being a tour guide, I think we're going to have a lot of stories come on. And you, I, I assume you'll be on again. So thank you very much for coming on. We really appreciate you. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. I'm uh, pretty drunk and going to be pretty hungover tomorrow. So thank you guys. Hopefully I don't shit outside of Jürgen's tent again. That's exactly what we hope for from our guests is that exact state. We've had fun and we're drunk. And we create more stories from actually just recording. Right, I'm fucked. The Two Beers Still Takeoff podcast is performed and edited by Phil and Big Sid. Do you want to see the footage we can't post on Instagram and the stories we can't tell on our podcast? Then if so, please check out our Patreon page. Follow us on our Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook accounts at Two Beers Till Takeoff. All links in the episode notes. All music heard on this podcast is provided by Rocker. You can find more of his work on his Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube account. Again, links in the episode note. A big thank you goes out to Viking Leo K for his voiceover work. I love you.